Hello, hello, you're listening to the Trans-Specific Partnership. I'm your host, Joanna Cifarello. And I'm your host, Rebecca Kling. Joanna, I can't help but notice it sounds like some sort of uh, woodland creature crawled up your nose and died. <laughs> this is just my new podcast voice. You sound more than a little under the weather. Okay, fine, I'm sick, but whatever, they can't see that. <laughs> they can hear it. I guess they can. I'm trying to play it off. Yeah, but I think I'm coming down with a bad case of, like, Trumpitis. Ooh, that's the worst. I know, I'm being squashed by the patriarchy. It really does sound like it. (laughs) We've both been on the road a ton, so haven't had a lot of time both in the same city. But now that we're both in D.C. for a couple weeks, we figured we'd catch everyone up. A lot has happened in the last month. Oh my god, so much has happened. The other day I was watching um, Yahoo News and there was this video, 64 hours or something that changed America. And it was last year, it was talking about um, October 6th to like October 8th or 9th or something Mm -hmm. last year where so much happened during the election. And I thought to myself, that feels like it was five years ago. It feels like it was a million years ago. Like, it was only a year ago. I feel like I've aged so much in the past there year. There was a saying someone posted <coughs> during the election that I've thought a lot about, which was, um, sometimes there are years where nothing happens, and other times there are weeks where years happen. Oh, yeah. And this last year just feels like there every, every week, week has been years. Yeah. There's been so many scandals and, like, so much crap that has gone on that it's almost hard to keep track. I watch videos, like, on YouTube just of the news because I like to, like, keep up to date and stuff. There's videos that are, like, a week old that you'll see that will say, like, September 28th. That was only a week ago. And you're like, it might as well be ancient history. It might as well. Like, it might as well be in history books because at this point, that's outdated. So, Joanna, you have some exciting news. You got a new job. I did. I'm the new media relations manager at Glisten. And for those who aren't familiar, what is Glisten? Glisten is a nonprofit that advocates for safe and inclusive schools for LGBTQ students. That's awesome. And we should remind folks that our views on this podcast are our own. They aren't reflective of our employers. So what are you going to be doing at Glisten? I'm going to be the media relations manager, so I'm going to be spearheading our media relations. (laughs) Basically promoting and advocating for progressive policies and safe and inclusive schools. And unfortunately, there's a lot of work to be done to support LGBT students in schools. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. (laughs) And where is your fancy new job? My fancy new job is in New York City. The Big Apple. So I'm going to be working from the D.C. office, the D.C. policy office, until the end of the year, and then I'll be relocating to New York. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. Joanna has visions of pulling me with her to New York. And by visions, I mean it's going to happen. Uh-huh. So hopefully by then we'll figure out how to do remote episode recording where we both don't need to be in the same place. Or you could just move to New York. Or I could just move to New York. I don't want to move to New York. 
I have a lot of love for New York. I love visiting New York. There are a lot of people I care about in New York. I don't really want to move to New York. Just for a few years, we'll make it happen. Just for a few years, she yeah. says. Two broke broads. Wake up in a city that doesn't sleep and find I'm king of the hill. So, Rebecca, you've been traveling a lot. Actually, I... we've both been traveling a lot. We have been, and I've been traveling a mix of business and pleasure, which I think is true for you, too. Some of it for work, some of it for personal stuff. Yeah, it's been a lot of travel, and I'm excited to be in D.C. for a little bit. Tell me some of the places you've been to. Well, I visited family in San Francisco over Labor Day. I have family who lives maybe an hour north of San Francisco, and was there... Which was super fun. We went hiking, and we went to the beach, and we hung out and played games... And I was there during a record-setting heat wave in San Francisco. Scorching in the East Bay, a high of 109 degrees in Livermore. Concord also hit 109. Napa clocked in at 106. Even San Francisco hit 106 degrees today, and that is an all-time record. Wow. In San Francisco. That's a lot. Like, that that's is... really, really high. I'm from Florida. It doesn't... It rarely ever gets to 100 well, in Florida. Most of, the, or a lot of buildings and certainly houses don't have air conditioning because it just doesn't get that hot. So mm. it was very warm for trying to sleep. Uh, but it was super fun. And one of the things we did, we went to the Pacific Ocean and went boogie boarding and swimming. And But wasn't the water still cold? The water was freezing, but it was just so <laughs> hot. Yeah. Uh, and my cousins, they have wetsuits, and I, one I was able to borrow. And we definitely went in and played some without the wetsuits, but that really helped, particularly for the boogie boarding. Boogie boarding is super fun. You know, I'm from Chicago, and Lake Michigan is glorious, and the beaches are beautiful. There aren't really waves to speak of. Joanna is making a face because she does not acknowledge that Chicago has beaches. <laughs> well, it doesn't have waves. I'm not it saying it doesn't have beaches. I'm just saying it doesn't have waves. That is true. Chicago doesn't really have waves. That. I did say that. <laughs> um, and then I was in Chicago visiting family. I was in Philadelphia and Seattle and New York for work, going to conferences and doing some trainings and doing some workshops. I'm finally back in D.C. Where have you been the last month? Because we kept missing each other. I was in town, then you were oh, out, yeah. I was out, and you were in. Well, I went to camp. camp. He went to camp! <laughs> I went to Camp Aeronutic, for those of you that don't know. Aeronutic is a camp for trans and gender-variant youth. This past summer was my sixth summer working with them, uh, and I'm really excited that I dragged Joanna. I didn't actually get to go. We weren't there at the same time. Um, but talks Joanna into going. Yes, and I'm so glad you did. I went to, so I, I went to family camp, which was three days. It was over the weekend, and it was in New Hampshire. I had such a blast. So the counselors, because it's family camp, the age range is a lot um, more, it's it's larger than... Because parents and families can bring kids who are younger, yeah, they can their go their own sleep away, or a little bit older. Yeah. And I was in charge of the three or six-year-olds, the babies. Oh. They were so adorable. Um, we did a karaoke night. We did a variety show. It was so much fun. Seeing the kids, like, come out of their shells, uh, their shells and, and, like, really just, you know, have this kind of confidence. It was just... It was so awesome. So I'm really excited 
uh, for next year to do it again. Me too. And I, I did day camps growing up, but I never did sleepaway camp. And it just is so cool to see a bunch of trans kids work at, like, in the pool and or on, uh, in New Hampshire in the lake and playing games and at arts and crafts and in the dining hall. Like, the opportunity... I don't know that there's anywhere else where, particularly as young people, as, as adults, you can have conferences or you can have whatever, but as young people, to have literally dozens and dozens and dozens of trans kids who get to hang out with each other and, and socialize and just be kids. Yeah, and being able also to like provide that reassurance for the parents as well. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Well, and one of the things that I really love about that, because working um, the regular sessions parents aren't there and so I sort of forget that these kids have lives the rest of the year because I'm so focused on like we got to get through the next week or we got to get through the next few weeks but one of the things that I love about interacting with parents for a lot of these parents it's really powerful for them to see adults who are trans women and trans men and non-binary and who are out living their lives and for some of these parents and I think the kids it happens to but it's a little less conscious the parents who are so worried about what is my child's future going to be like, they can then see like, oh, actually there are some futures that are open to my child, even if the larger culture didn't tell me about them. Exactly. In addition to camp, I also, I went to New York for my first week at Glisten, which was awesome. But before that... Because you did for Glisten... You're in the D.C. office for a couple months, but you did a week in New York to, like, yeah, my get first up to speed week. and get settled, yeah. Yeah, my first week was in New York, which was awesome. Um, you awesome. were sending me photos of what looked like an amazing Airbnb. Oh, yeah. So, like, my Airbnb was super cute. It was in the village. Um, I totally got spoiled, and their, their offices are sickening. They're in Lower Manhattan. And it felt bougie AF. But before then, I was in, for Labor Day weekend, um, or for that week, I was down in Florida. And so I got to spend some time with my mom and my niece. Nice. I performed while I was down there to an empty crowd. <laughs> that's, because, that's awesome. <laughs> well, because uh, it was right before Hurricane Irma. Mm. I literally left Florida with a photo finish. Like, Irma hit Saturday. With the winds just, like, sweeping in behind you. Yeah, Irma hit Saturday, and I left Friday night. Jeez. Like, I was delayed, like, seven hours. But It's good that you got out. Yeah. Um, and is your family okay from Irma? So, my mom's house is fine. She's gonna need a new roof. Um, there was a, there was a leaks in the attic, but, like, overall, she put a tarp up. Um, overall, it's fine. She's just gonna need a new roof. Um, my family in Puerto Rico, um, <sighs> they are getting by. They still don't have electricity. They still don't have running water. Um, my, most of my family is coming over, uh, later this month. Those who are staying, we've sent care packages. And yeah. It's gonna be a long, long, long recovery. I was reading some interesting things about there might be some opportunities to experiment with things they haven't in the past. So, like, Google has been testing these, um, I think, literally hot air balloons that provide uh, cell service. Mm -hmm. And they've been talking with Puerto Rico about trying to use some of those 
to get cell service back up more quickly. Or um, I know people have been sort of thinking out loud about the idea of Tesla, which has all of these batteries and solar panels and all of that, trying to reset up the grid as a lot more green and a lot more renewable energy. The feds are doing such an awful job of responding. But it is, I'm sort of hopeful that there can be some experimenting with options that might not have been available in the past. Well, I'm hoping that at a minimum, there'll be a greater understanding of Puerto Rico's political status um, as a colony um, and what that means to the residents of Puerto Rico. So like Trump has been talking about our debt for the longest. And what we don't realize is that like Puerto Rico is a colony. We are an oppressed people. We are at the whim of an empire who creates laws that oversee Puerto Rico. We we have no representation in Congress. We cannot vote for president despite enlisting in the military at disproportionate numbers. And so the economic status of Puerto Rico were created by the laws of this country. Right, because Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, which means people born there are citizens. You don't need a passport. It's U.S. currency. Yeah. But because it's not a state, there isn't congressional representation. There isn't... Um, a voice in the government in the same way, and <coughs> this girl is sick and should not be recording a podcast. Um, <laughs> and so th- th- there's... Just by virtue of the relationship of the United States and Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico being treated as a colony, the laws were created to explicitly benefit the United States. Right. You know? Like, the only reason we are American citizens is because conveniently... World War One was about to happen, and it was a lot easier to facilitate Puerto Ricans into the draft if we were American citizens. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So, like, there's been much to do about the Jones Act, for example. Right. That was suspended for 10 days, and what the Jones Act did, it did a bunch of things, but among the things it said that Puerto Rico can only receive goods. Well, it's every U.S. Yeah. port. Yeah, but it doesn't apply to the, Vir- the U.S. Virgin Islands, but... It's basic. It says that you, we can only receive goods from American carriers, and because Puerto Rico is an island, everything has to be brought right. in. And so that, over the years, has cost Puerto Ricans billions and billions and billions of dollars. I think that I was reading that a big part, certainly not the only reason, but a big part of the reason that everything on Puerto Rico is anywhere from 20 or 30 to 50% more expensive than oh, it yeah. is on the mainland is specifically because of the Jones Act. Like, exactly. yes, shipping stuff is more expensive, and yes, being on an island limits things, but if the the Jones Act were re- repealed, that the cost of goods across the board would drop a lot. In yeah, we, we spend about 40% more for our cars than you would on the U.S. mainland. Not to mention Puerto Ricans make less. Like, we make right. less than any other state. The average income for a Puerto Rican is around 15000 That's less than, than, like, the poorest of states, Mississippi, Alabama. Um, and so, just in terms of the quality of life, and remember, Puerto Ricans, a lot of Puerto Ricans have family members in the United States, so they've, you know, have seen what the school stateside look like, what the highways, the roads, and everything look like stateside. And the Puerto Rican government has tried to, over time, try to um, fill in the gaps where the United States government has failed to provide for its own citizens. And 
we're at a point where all the credit cards are maxed out. Right, right. But that shouldn't... We shouldn't be placing blame on the Puerto Rican government. The blame should be placed on the U.S. and its unwillingness to provide for its own citizens a quality of life that we've come to expect for Americans and for people who are U.S. Americans paying federal taxes, who enlist in the military. We should be taking care of our own as we would in any other state. Right. And so your family in Puerto Rico is okay? Yeah, they're getting by. Most of them are going to come later on this month. Um, And then there's other ones. The the majority of my family tends to live in the metropolitan area. Um, There are some family members who lived in the town of Cadaño, which um, is across from the San Juan Bay, which experienced a lot of flooding. Most of them have taken up residence residence with other family members but it's going to be a long long recovery I try not to think about one of my girlfriends who's also Puerto Rican she said well maybe this will mark the big return to the island that after they get the electrical grid and water running again Puerto Ricans will flock back to rebuild and unfortunately I just don't see that like I foresee when people leave you know most kids need to go back they need to go to school So when people move and whether it's, you know, with the mindset that it's only going to be a temporary solution and then they'll eventually go back. Once kids get enrolled in school. It's so much harder to leave. And not to mention, like, if you're over here for three months, what you got to do for three months, you're going to find a job in those Mm -hmm. three months. And once you have a job and your kids are enrolled in school, there's at that point, what's the point? You're not moving back. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever consider moving to Puerto Rico? Not right now, just because where I'm at in my life. I've thought about, like, maybe down the line when I get to a point where, like, I would probably have to, like, have children and, like, be making a good enough salary where I could provide the kind of quality of life that I want here in stateside in Puerto Rico because it's just not as easy. Like, for example, my mom is a housekeeper and she has a home in Kissimmee where she raises my niece, my mom could not have that in Puerto Rico. Right, but in in Florida it's possible. Yeah, like on her housekeeping salary, she could not have that in Puerto Rico, which is why so many Puerto Ricans come over stateside. Part of the reason this month has been really tiring for me is all of this travel, but there's also just been so much happening, a lot of which is additionally exhausting. So we we already touched a little bit on uh, some of the hurricanes and storms that have been hitting Florida and have been hitting Puerto Rico. I know there's a ton of others that have been hitting in Cuba and the Dominican Republic and the Virgin Islands and Texas. And now they're talking about... um, Louisiana. Yeah, potentially another storm hitting Louisiana. And then there's been other natural disasters. There were earthquakes in Mexico. There's fires on the West Coast. When I was in San Francisco, um, it was you couldn't see across the bay. And I know San Francisco is sort of always a little bit um, foggy. Foggy, but this you could tell it was just it wasn't just fog from the ocean. It was um, smoke. It was it was haze from fires that were burning tens if not hundreds of miles away, but they were just so huge that the, the haze and dust from the smoke was coming in. So it's, it's been a month for... been a month for the world. 
And then when there aren't natural disasters, as you have said, Joanna, there are... Trump disasters. And what have some of the Trump disasters been? DACA, the transmilitary ban, Title Nine, Title Seven, And it's just been, like, it is... And that's, like, the past three weeks. That's not even, like... It's in... When you think about, like, how much has happened in the course of a month... And, and it really just feels like a lot of what 45 is doing is... Was this something Obama put in place? Great. Fuck it up. It just boggles my mind. And and Trump throwing paper towels at people in Puerto Rico, that video. His whole trip was so disrespectful. First of all, the gall of the man to bring up Puerto Rico's debt. When he filed for bankruptcy... His golf course filed for bankruptcy in Puerto Rico. He added to the island's debt. And it's not like... And not to mention, how many other times has he filed for bankruptcy? Miss Rebecca Kling, I ask you, how many times have you filed for bankruptcy? I have not filed for bankruptcy. Good. Joanna Sofredo, how many times have you filed for bankruptcy? Zero. How many times has the President of the United States filed for bankruptcy? Way more than both of us added together. And the Let's gall see. of that man to to bring up Puerto Rico's debt. Ugh. I just have to give it up for um, Carmen Yulín Cruz, who's the San Juan mayor. She has been an amazing leader throughout all of this. If I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Yulín. But she has been so such a like an amazing leader, advocating for the needs of not just her constituents but Puerto Ricans all throughout the island. And Trump had a, went on a Twitter tirade attacking her, which was outrageous and should have angered everyone because it, he's a child. He's, it, he is, and he's racist. I mean, there, but it shouldn't have surprised anyone. That's what bothered me. When the media decided, let's just cover this for two days, as opposed to focusing on you know, the, the victims in the Virgin Islands, who literally have gotten no press coverage and were hit by two Category 5 hurricanes. They spent two days just focused on his tweets. And it shouldn't surprise anyone. Well, and what... This what... is the same man who, like, literally on day one, lo- like, launched his campaign attacking Mexican-American immigrants. He attacked a Gold Star family. He at- he attacked John McCain just the week before. Uh, you know, a war hero. Grab so him by the pussy. It, it, it shouldn't have surprised anyone that this is the president that we have. Well, part of what's frustrating is it feels like at least once a week, there is something that happens where some idiot news commentator says, well, this will be his opportunity to really step up, whether it's um, hurricanes or whether it's the mass shooting in Las Vegas or whether it's um, other natural disasters elsewhere in the country or whether it's international things around North Korea or whether it's NAFTA or whatever it is. Some idiot journalist says, well, this will be his opportunity to really be presidential. He's not president. I mean, he's he's presidential in that he is literally the president, but he's not. He's never going to be presidential in terms of being respectful or calming or compassionate because, or nuanced <laughs> because he is not any of those things. Yeah, no, he's not. It, it, it just 
It mind boggles me the fact that the news media would spend two days covering that and, and then just, like, the whole administration, like, advocating for everyone to congratulate them on the response to Puerto Rico. No, there are still people in the mountains and all throughout the island in remote villages who have not gotten any kind of aid. Well, you don't get a pat on the back. The fact, and this goes to to how how much white supremacy is embedded in our culture. The fact that the media would cover for two days how the president feels, a rich, a billionaire white man, how he feels, how he feels that the media and how people are unfairly attacking him because of his response to Puerto Rico, instead of covering what the residents of the Virgin Islands, U.S. Americans, what they're going through. Instead of covering their plight, mm-hmm. we focus on the feelings of a billionaire white man. That just goes to show how embedded white supremacy is in our culture. Well, on that sunny note, <laughs> we are um, slowly transitioning into fall. We're, we're trying to hang on to the last little bit of summer. And while we're both in town, we're trying to get back into a more regular episode schedule. We is. We is. I hope everyone else is catching those last nice days of summer as fall really hits. And um, in light of all that is happening, I hope everyone is taking some time for self-care and to do what they need to do to sustain themselves moving forward because it's not going to let up. Not the most optimistic way to end a podcast. But don't forget that oh, we didn't even talk about Las Vegas. We did not talk about Las Vegas. Oh my god. There's like so much going on that's almost hard to keep track. Like literally. I don't think it's almost hard to keep track. I think it's just hard to keep track. I know. Uh, Equifax lost everyone's social security numbers. Take care of yourself, but also... Be mindful that our fellow citizens are in pain. There's, if you can donate blood, please donate blood. The victims of Las Vegas and um, those in Puerto Rico could use it. There's a lot that you can do. Um, I would implore everyone to do what they can. And and stay strong. I know. Keep oh fighting the good God. fight. Like, do, do your self-care, take a nap. Um, when does this all end? I, I think like it, I'm waiting for the series finale at yeah. this point. I feel like there's been like five different like season finales. I feel like we're on season ten of the Trump administration. I'm just ready for the series finale. Well, when there is a series finale, we will let you know. And until then, we'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>